This is episode 382 of the AWS podcast, released on August 2, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Lisha here with you. Great to have you back. And of course, I'm joined by Nikki Stone. G'day, Nikki. Hi, Simon. How you doing? I am doing good. Now, we are experimenting with brand new recording technology to improve your listening experience. (laughs) We heard your requests and we are trying out something new for my audio. So hopefully it will be extensively better is the goal. Let's see how we go. Fingers crossed. (laughs) But we have lots of updates to go through. So we'll go through at a pretty rapid clip, although there's some pretty cool ones that we may spend a little more time in divergence on. But let's start first with the uh, AWS Marketplace. And it now offers integrated third-party software solutions for AWS Control Tower, which is really useful in terms of solving infrastructure and operational use cases, things like security for a multi-cloud environment, um, centralized networking, operational intelligence, and SIEM, so security information management systems, et cetera. Um, you now have lots more options in the marketplace uh, so that you can have uh, features that build on other features. So basically some of these solutions will use uh, some of the AWS control tower features like centralized logging and lifecycle events, so a very useful capability. And also related to the AWS Marketplace, the AWS Marketplace AMIs are now supported with spot instances in the EC2 launch instance wizard. And these spot instances let you reduce your costs for EC2 by up to 90% when compared to on-demand prices. So you can lower your overall EC2 costs. And this is particularly useful if you're using those third-party applications that are fault tolerant. Moving on to the topic of analytics, Amazon QuickSight's Spice data engine now supports data sets up to 250 million rows. We know this was a huge request. So this Spice engine now supports 250 million rows and 500 gigabytes. So this increase is up from 100 million rows and 200 gigabytes, and it is the most frequent request that we've received. So you can now work with your larger data sets in Spice to enable it. It's really easy. There's nothing special you have to do. You can just remove any filters that you were using to stay below the prior limit. Uh, so that's really nice. QuickSight has a couple more announcements here. They've also launched Histogram, New Languages, and Cross-Region APIs. So the Histogram is a new chart type that allows you to categorize bin data points within defined ranges of a metric and visualize the distribution of specific metrics. And they support the categorization by interval size or number of bins. It's available in five new languages, Norwegian, Dutch, Swedish, Finnish, and Danish. QuickSight now supports 14 languages in total, and it's very easy to switch between languages in the top navigation bar. And you can also transfer data source templates across different regions available within QuickSight. So you can replicate data sources and templates from one region to another. And finally, they now support lake formation which is protected Athena data sources. So QuickSight users can now visualize their lake formation protected Athena data natively using the benefits that come with lake formation, including table and column level access controls. That is awesome. With this integration, the ease of management now extends all the way through your analytics layer, keeping all of your access management centralized. Very cool. Now, uh, the Amazon Athena team have been very busy for uh 
for our customers building new and interesting capabilities. So there is now support for managing your data catalogs using AWS CloudFormation. So you now have the new AWS Athena Data Catalog resource, which is very useful for automation. And it now also has support for partition projection. And this is a new functionality that you can use to speed up query processing of highly partitioned tables and automate your partition management. So when you process your queries, Athena retrieves metadata information from your metadata store. So this could be AWS Glue, Data Catalog, or the Hive Metastore before performing partition pruning. Now, in cases where your tables have a large number of partitions, retrieving the metadata itself can be time consuming. So to avoid this, you can use what's called partition projection. And partition projection allows you to specify configuration information such as the patterns, so very common one is year, month, day, that are commonly used to form partitions. And this gives Athena the information necessary to build partitions without retrieving metadata information from your metadata store. It'll basically let Athena read the partition values and locations from configuration rather than from a repository, and it reduces the runtime of queries against those highly partitioned tables because in-memory operations are often faster than remote operations. So good performance benefit there. There's also now a new genomics tertiary analysis and data lake solution using AWS Glue and Amazon Athena. And this creates a scalable environment that lets you prepare genomic data for large scale analysis and perform interactive queries against a genomic data lake, which you can imagine is quite complex yet is made much easier. Amazon EMR now supports managed scaling and automatically resizing clusters to lower cost. This one is super cool. So managed scaling is a new feature that automatically resizes your EMR cluster for best performance at the lowest possible cost without the need to specify scaling policies. You can reduce up to 60% costs compared with fixed size clusters by setting the minimum and maximum compute resource limits for a cluster. Uh, so I think that's pretty freaking cool. EMR wasn't quite done though. They now support encrypting log files using customer managed CMKs in KMS. Uh, so you can now encrypt your log files using your customer managed master keys stored in KMS. EMR will automatically upload the log files to S3 when logging and debugging is enabled, and you can associate your CMKs in KMS when launching a cluster. That's pretty awesome. That's very cool. And lastly, Amazon MSK provides additional EC2 M5 broker sizes for more flexibility and cost optimization. So you can now create MSK clusters using Kafka M5 8x large and Kafka M5 16x large brokers. These new broker types give customers additional options to optimize the cost and performance of high volume streaming workloads on MSK. And all features, of course, apply to the clusters with these new larger brokers, including two and three availability zone deployments, encryption in transit and at rest, and each cluster is paired with a highly available, fully managed Apache Zookeeper cluster at no additional cost. Moving on to the topic of application integration, AWS AppSync now has a new 12x large instance type for server-side API caching. Now, of course, AWS AppSync is a managed GraphQL service that makes it easier to develop your applications by creating a flexible API to access your data at the back end. And you can do all kinds of cool things. And now you have a 12x large instance with 317.77 gigabytes of memory to cache your calls. So this improves the performance and reduces the need to directly access data sources by making data available in a high-speed in-memory cache. Another update is for Amazon MQ. It now supports ActiveMQ version 5.15.12. 
this is an update from the previous version, which was 5.15.10, and gives you access to a whole lot of new benefits and capabilities. Quick update in the topic of business applications. The Amazon Chime SDK supports audio and video calling from mobile browsers. Uh, So you can use the Chime SDK for JavaScript to build audio calling and video calling apps designed for the web. And the SDK has support on Google Chrome on Android and Safari on iOS. So you can engage your customers on their mobile devices without requiring a download. When Downloading app is a preferred way to to build things. You can also build the native mobile apps using the Chime SDKs for iOS and Android. Very nice. Moving on to the topic of compute. And one thing we often do on the update show is we don't uh, talk a lot about regional expansion for different services, et cetera, because that would probably double or triple the uh, the time that it takes <laughs> to discuss the different updates. But we do mention them from time to time just to kind of remind you. So the Amazon EC2, C5N, M5N, M5DN, R5N and R5DN instances are now available in the additional regions of the Europe Stockholm and Asia Pacific Hong Kong regions. These use the next generation Nitro system. They have 100 gig networking and a whole bunch of other really cool capabilities. So always worth when you're selecting your instance types or you're thinking, oh, there's one I'd really like to use, but it's not in my region to review and make sure it hasn't arrived in your region. An update for Easy to Image Builder, it can now stream logs into CloudWatch so you can troubleshoot your issues with building, customizing, securing, patching, testing, and distributing your AMIs. This really helps giving you that visibility into the uh, building process, which of course never go wrong and everything we configure is always right the first time, isn't it, Nikki? (laughs) Easy to has quite a couple announcements here. They now support tagging EC2 spot instance requests. Uh, so you can take advantage of your unused Amazon EC2 capacity with your spot instances. And obviously spot instances offer you a ton of discounts compared to the on-demand prices. And you can tag your spot instance requests now, which is pretty cool. Uh, so yeah. you can more easily identify their purpose and For example, you can use all tags to identify all spot instance requests used by a particular department, project, or application. EC2 Image Builder can now produce and distribute encrypted AMIs. So the Image Builder is now integrated with KMS, which enables you to build and distribute your AMIs that are encrypted with uh, EBS encryption. So that one's a pretty simple one, but a pretty useful one. It's very handy, exactly. Another another simple but useful one is uh, the new EC2 launch version 2 to simplify customizing your Windows instances. So it makes it easy to meet the needs of your workloads. So EC2 launch applies AWS recommended configurations to your Windows instances, such as local administrator username changes, good idea, support for increased user data input length, very handy, and agent auto updates. Uh, it gives you a, a single EC2 launch experience regardless of the EC2 platform and the supported Windows OS, which makes it nice and handy. Lots of other benefits there as well, but a good one to understand. Now, Nikki, I think the next one you're pretty excited about. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, ECS has a really cool announcement. They have announced something called the AWS Copilot, which is a new CLI to deploy and operate containers in AWS. So it is a, it's a tool, basically. And with a single command, you can create all the infrastructure and artifacts required to run your production-ready service on ECS or as a Fargate launch type if you choose, which includes task definitions, image repositories, and resources like load balancers, deployment pipelines, the whole nine yards of basically setting up 
containers. So you can basically just focus on developing your apps rather than setting up all the infrastructure you need to run your containers on AWS. Um, there's a really cool demonstration of Nathan setting this up in his terminal in the uh, the blog post, which I highly encourage you to check out. It's insane. Basically, with like one command, he just responds to a couple of prompts, and he basically deploys a full service on AWS uh, at an endpoint. With so with a load balancer, the whole nine yards. And, and the CI/CD cool. as well. So and you got like deployment stage. I mean, that's that's the that's just phenomenal. Images stored in ECR, the whole thing, everything is done for you. Nice. <laughs> I have no job. <laughs> yeah, basically. They, they have some other cool announcements too, which, uh, so they, they have announced increased service quotas as you can launch, you can now launch up to 2000 tasks per service and 2000 services per cluster, which is up from 1000 each. And this next one is super interesting. Also considering that they just launched Copilot. So they mm. have now launched a collaboration with the Docker to deploy applications to ECS on Fargate. So if you are using Docker tools, such as Docker Desktop or Docker Compose, you can now deploy containers on ECS using the Fargate launch type, uh, which is another another place where you should check out the blog and watch the demo because it's also really cool. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if, you, if you're familiar with these tools or you know how to use them, it's now very easy to use the commands that you know and love via Docker Desktop and Docker Compose to now spin up containers in ECS on Fargate. Oh, you crazy kids with your containers. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of other quick compute-related updates. Um, we are announcing the general availability of the Amazon Relational Database Service with support for MySQL and Postgres databases on AWS Outposts. There'll be a separate episode specifically on that one. And also a very cool one that I really like is kernel live patching for Amazon Linux 2 is now generally available. So you can now patch security vulnerabilities and bugs in the Linux kernel without reboots or disruptions to running applications. Wow. Sounds so easy, so hard to build. <laughs> so you get better service availability, better security posture, and it is now available to all Amazon Linux 2 customers free of charge. Um, it's a big one. And, uh, and the other nice thing is you can integrate this into AWS Systems Manager, SSM Patch Manager, so you can automate the process of patching and nothing will go down. And uh, if you've ever managed a large fleet of servers, this is like a, uh, a, a blessing Dream from above. True. Yeah. <laughs> Moving over to the topic of customer engagement, we have two quick announcements from Amazon Connect. So, so the first one is Amazon Connect now supports Kevin, which is Polly's latest text-to-speech voice, if you really like Kevin. Uh, it is the U.S. English neural voice that Polly has launched, and so you can now use it um, on Connect which is great. And then the next one is, uh, I don't know if it's so great for everybody that gets dialed phone calls, but Connect allows you to continue engaging with your customer after an agent hangs up. So you can set a contact flow after an agent disconnects from a customer call by transferring them to an automated flow. So you can transfer them to like a post-call survey or put a customer back into a queue or schedule a queued callback. So yeah, Basically, and I think it's really also cool. prob probably useful if, if your agent hangs up on you accidentally as well. <laughs> you kind of yes. don't go off to the air because there's nothing worse than having that happen. So uh, I think it's a good Totally thing. true. Let's move on to the topic of a database and the Amazon RDS proxy is now generally available. This is a fully managed, highly available database proxy for RDS and it's available for MySQL and Postgres compatibility. And basically this is designed to make 
applications more scalable, more resilient to database failures and more secure. Um, because basically what happens is when an application communicates with the database, it establishes connections. Those connections consume memory and compute resources on the database service. Now, this is can be problematic, particularly if you're using modern serverless architectures. You can end up with a lot of connections and stress out the database, basically. So uh, the proxy... Exactly. So the proxy sits between the application and the database pool and it shares established database connections, improving database efficiency and application scalability. Lots and lots of good benefits. It reduces failover times for RDS and Aurora multi-AZ databases by up to 66%, which is a good thing. And it's really the, I think, the the service-based embodiment of a, a design pattern that all people who build large systems at some point come across, which is I've run out of database connection. <laughs> I love this one. So happy to see it go, GA. It is It is a good one. Uh, Amazon DocumentDB with MongoDB compatibility now has support for cross-region snapshot copy. So if you want to uh, copy them across, you can do it automatically or manual across regions. You can copy it uh, for disaster recovery, security, or just to populate a new dev test environment. Uh, you can kick it off from the console, the CLI. No charge for the copy operation itself. You just pay for the data transfer out of the source region and for the data storage in the destination region. Also, you're not charged if the copy fails, but you are charged if you cancel it yourself as well. Uh, Amazon DocumentDB with MongoDB compatibility also now supports the T3 medium instance type, uh, which are 72% cheaper than the R5 large instances. So these are really useful if you're doing dev test QA and other small production workloads. And Amazon RDS for Oracle now supports Oracle Spatial for Oracle Standard Edition 2. So if this is a capability you want, you now have the ability to run spatial data and queries on your Oracle database on RDS. Amazon RDS application programming interface supports private link, which is great. I love it when I see a private link announcement. So you can now use private link to access the RDS API from your VPC without using public IPs and without requiring the traffic to traverse across the internet. Amazon Neptune supports specifying conditions in IAM policy using tags, so now provides the flexibility to specify conditions in IAM policies using tags. Tags can be added to a Neptune resource such as a DB cluster or instance, and you can restrict management operations on the cluster without using the cluster or instance resource identifiers using those tags. Amazon RDS for MariaDB supports minor versions to 10.3.2.3 and 10.4.1.3. Uh, so you can now take advantage of both of those releases, which include a number of bug fixes as well as functionality improvements. And Amazon Keyspaces now enables you to back up your table data continuously by using point-in-time recovery. So Amazon Keyspaces is a scalable, highly available, and fully managed Apache Cassandra compatible database service. And it now enables you to back up your table data continuously using point-in-time recovery. Very nice. Let's talk developer tools. And, and Nikki, I'm not going to steal your thunder on this one because it's a good one. Look, I'm, I'm happy to talk development when it's uh, COBOL, uh, Power Builder, you know, all these languages you don't remember. <laughs> um, Probably But not. I have migrated to my, my flavor of the month is now I, I do pretty much everything serverless and Python these days. But um, there's a new announcement around Amazon Code Guru that I think is pretty cool. It is very cool. 
so Amazon Code Guru, if you're not familiar, has now gone GA, but it is a developer tool powered by machine learning that provides intelligent recommendations for improving the quality of your code and identifying your most expensive lines of code. Uh, they announced it back at uh, reInvent, and, and so now it's GA. It's pretty cool. There's there's two components to it. There's a reviewer and a profiler. The reviewer helps improve code quality by scanning for critical issues, identifying bugs, and recommending how to remediate them. And then the profiler helps developers find an application's most expensive lines of code with specific visualizations and recommendations on how to improve code to save money. Yes, please. Who doesn't want that? I totally want that. Exactly. And there's a free 90-day uh, trial as well that you can use. So you can test it out and see if it works for what you're doing. Awesome. Uh, another update developer related is the AWS SDK for C++, C++ I should say, version 1.8 is now GA. So this gives you platform portability, including Windows, OS X, Linux, and mobile. So very, very useful. Also, there's a great and active GitHub community that you can use to uh, influence the features to be added in each GA candidate. The AWS Code Build now supports resource utilization metrics in CloudWatch, so you can uh, use that to troubleshoot your builds or also determine if you're using the right code build instance type. One of the, I think, the interesting things about creating a CI/CD pipeline is you can also make that efficient too. You want to make it as, as, as quick and as cheap as possible and often there are dials you can choose to make it faster and dials you can choose to make it cheaper and sometimes you can do both as well, which is always important. The AWS Code Deploy service now enables automated installation and scheduled updates of the Code Deploy agent. Again, it's the deployment of the deployment. Uh, it's deployments <laughs> all the way down. <laughs> so now you can use the management console of the CLI to install the agent on demand or create a schedule for target instances on EC2 or on-premises service so you can make sure it's always up to date. And lastly, in this... Uh in my favorite topic, shall I say. Code Pipeline supports AWS App Config as a new deploy action type. So Code Pipeline has announced their integration with App Config to enable customers to deliver features and updates safely, rapidly, and reliably to your applications. You can deploy application configurations using App Config in a validated, controlled, and monitored way and automate orchestration of these deployments across deploy stages with Code Pipeline. That's a pretty awesome announcement there. So customers can source configuration from CodeCommit, S3, and GitHub and deploy configurations to their applications at runtime. They can also validate configuration data to ensure that their data is syntactically and semantically correct before making it available to the application. And then with App Config, customers can define deployment strategies to roll out a configuration over a defined time period, and then they can choose App Config as a deployment action within Code Pipeline and deploy configurations stored in source revision across environments within the specified app while monitoring the application to catch any errors. In the case of an error, App Config will roll back the changes immediately to minimize impact to the end users. Very nifty. Moving on to the topic quickly of end user computing and Amazon AppStream 2.0 now supports drawing tablets. So these are also known as pen tablets and they're computer input devices that let you draw with a stylus or a pen. And so now AppStream 2.0 users can connect a drawing tablet like a Wacom drawing device to their local computer and use it with their streaming applications. And AppStream 2.0 supports all the core capabilities of drawing tablets, including pressure sensitivity. So this is a very cool way to be able to draw in your streaming application. Moving on to the topic of Internet of Things, 
AWS IoT SiteWise has gone GA. Uh, so SiteWise is a managed service that makes it easy to collect data from your industrial equipment, model your physical assets, processes and facilities, quickly compute common industrial performance metrics, and create fully managed web apps to help analyze industrial equipment data, prevent costly equipment issues, and reduce production inefficiencies. You can collect data from industrial equipment with SiteWise using a variety of options, including MQTT or a REST API. You can also run the IoT SiteWise gateway software on popular third-party industrial gateways and read data from OPC UA data aggregators or historian databases. You can create models of your industrial facilities, which can span a hierarchy of hundreds of thousands of assets, and you can use these models to represent a single sensor, an assembly line, or a supply chain. And you can link your equipment data to these models and store the data as a time series in a managed, scalable, and efficient data store. So really handy if you uh, if you use industrial equipment with IoT. Moving on, IoT Core now supports multiple shadows for a single IoT device. This one is really handy. Uh, mm. So a device's shadow is a JSON document that's used to store and retrieve state information for a device. Devices often have multiple state data such as user settings, manufacturer configuration, or operational status, or operational status, excuse me. Each of these states data needs to be accessed by different users or at differing frequencies. Until today, you can only have one shadow, which you were required to restore all sets of state data in that one shadow, which means that at that time, users had access to the entire shadow and could consequently read and update state data that they shouldn't be allowed access to. So now you can have multiple shadows for a single IoT device and store different device state data in those different shadows and restrict access to only the required users that need it. And lastly, the IoT Device Tester version 3.1.0 for IoT Greengrass is now available. And moving on to the topic of machine learning. Amazon Forecast now supports generating predictions for 10 times more items. So if you've ever used Amazon Forecast, it's a managed service that uses machine learning to generate accurate forecasts without requiring any prior ML experience. You can use it for things like product demand forecasting, inventory planning, workforce planning, even cloud infrastructure, usage forecasting. So now you can have 10x more items. So in the past, you're limited to generating forecasts for 100,000 unique items. Uh, now you can do 1 million unique items. So that's a lot more unique items. Amazon Forecast now supports resource tagging. As you know, we like everyone to tag everything they have. So if you are creating <laughs> forecasts, you can now tag them, which you should. And Amazon Fraud Detector Preview has launched normalized model scores. So uh, they, customers will use scores to sideline high-risk events whilst allowing low-risk events to pass with no friction. Now, prior to this launch, score distributions could shift between models, forcing customers to manually analyze the distributions and update their business logic to account for these shifts. The new normalized scores are consistent across all models in Amazon Fraud Detector, making it easy and intuitive for customers to compare models and to select appropriate score thresholds for their business. And these new scores are directly correlated to false positive rates, so customers always know how much friction is being applied to their business. Very important in fraud detection. Amazon Comprehend has launched real-time custom entity recognition. So you can use real-time custom entity recognition to identify terms that are specific to your domain in real time. For example, you can instantly extract product names, financial entities, or any term relevant to you from unstructured text documents. 
Prior to this launch, custom entity recognition identified business-specific entities in text documents asynchronously. Now you can choose real-time or asynchronous custom entity recognition depending on your use case. Amazon Comprehend Medical adds relationship extraction to medical condition. Okay, so I'm going to try to break this one down because it's complicated, but basically they currently provide... Because you're a doctor, you can do this, so it's Yeah, I'm a doctor, totally. (laughs) It's interesting. Okay, so they provide this feature for medication test treatments procedures, and they've extended it to medical condition, which means if there's a mention of left chest pain, pain will be extracted as the medical condition with chest as the anatomical location and left as the direction. Previously, some of these attributes would be unmapped, but now with relationship extraction, they're tied back to the relevant entity. So for customers, this means they can index this information to differentiate between more complex medical conditions. So if a customer is looking to do a survival comparison of patients who have non-small cell lung cancer based on the left or right lung, they can now quickly identify and index and classify their patients. And they can go further and view their predominant treatments to determine which options are the best for their patient population. So really handy if you're a doctor. Um, it is. It is. And you did a great job uh, explaining it. So uh, <laughs> congratulations, Dr. Nikki. Oh, geez, thanks. <laughs> Good work. Nah, good. good. It's, it's a really important one. Another important one is video support using Amazon SageMaker Ground Truth. So, uh, SageMaker Ground Truth is a fully managed data labeling service that means it's easy to build highly accurate training data sets for machine learning. And it now supports common video labeling use cases with new built in workflows. So, you can easily perform video labeling with up to three built in labeling workflows, which is video object detection, video object tracking, and video clip classification. And this makes it much easier to get the answers you need very, very quickly. Uh, Quick update for Amazon Kendra. Uh, It now has AWS private link support. So this means that uh, you don't have to use any public IPs or require any traffic to traverse the internet. It completely connects between your VPCs and the AWS services without ever leaving the Amazon network. Amazon Personalize has added improved handling of missing metadata. So Amazon Personalize uses machine learning to personalize recommendations for products, content, and marketing communications with your users. And again, don't need any machine learning experience. It just does the work. This technology, in fact, has been perfected from over 20 years of recommender systems development at amazon.com. And to be honest, these days I buy most of my things based on the recommendations because they know what I like. (laughs) (laughs) And so now there's improved handling of missing or sparse metadata for interactions, user and item data set types. So for example, if you have a a brand of product, age group or user or device type uh, for the browsing session, it can be useful for improving the accuracy and relevance of recommendation models. But the data is often imperfect and anyone who's worked in data science knows that data engineering is the hardest problem that we have to face and there can often be data missing. And if it's not handled correctly, it will completely affect your model performance. So now you can have the ability to have null as an acceptable value in a schema when creating an Amazon personalized solution. This helps in a lot of ways that I'm not going to get into in the detail of this particular podcast, but it makes it a lot easier. And uh, Nikki, handling null is always so easy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, lastly, another private link update, Transcribe Real Streaming has now offered support using private links. So you can access Transcribe real-time streaming uh, from your VPC without uh, traversing the internet, which is great. I love all these services uh, coming to private link. Moving on to the topic of management and governance, 
there were updates to the well-architected framework and the well-architected tool. Uh, so the latest update is now available and reflects the latest best practice guidance for designing and deploying cloud workloads. This update includes new and updated questions, best practices, and improvement plans, plus additional examples and architectural considerations. They've added new best practices in operational excellence, reliability, and cost optimization. So that's cool. Check that out if you use the well-architected framework. Yeah, that's a really important update. Moving on to another topic in this category, provision product outputs are now available in AWS Service Catalog. So now you can understand what the outputs from your CloudFormation templates are, and it allows you to have an interface from one product to another. So what this means is you can easily refer to the outputs to combine products needed for the, your applications. So it may, just makes it easy to put things together. So for example, if you've got a three-tier web application, the outputs for each provision product are available as inputs to the next, uh, which means you can pass it all together. You can now track file changes on systems manager managed instances with AWS config. So this allows you to track any changes to inventory files on these managed instances. And this is a virtual machine that is configured for use with AWS Systems Manager. So you can track changes to file type inventory data from those managed instances with the file attributes such as name, version, installation directory, description, and so on. And you can even change track, you can track changes, I should say, to like a, a licensed version file of an installed application on a managed instance. So it gives you a lot of control. It's kind of a, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit tripwire-like in a way if I, if I cast my mind back, but it means you know what's going on in your environment. <laughs> Most definitely. Systems Manager has added support for patching newer versions of supported Linux platforms. So Patch Manager, which is a capability of AWS Systems Manager, now allows you to deploy patches automatically to instances running Red Hat Enterprise Linux 7.8, 8, 8.1, and 8.2, CentOS 7.8, 8.8.1, and Oracle Linux 7.5, 7.7, and 7.8. This support provides more patching options for your mixed Linux environments. AWS Managed Services now supports Oracle Linux 7.5 and later minor versions. Uh, so AWS Managed Services now supports launching EC2 instances of Oracle Linux 7.5 and several later minor versions. So enterprises can now migrate their workloads using Oracle Linux 7.5 into AMS using workload ingest process or by creating new EC2 instances. AMS will perform patching, monitoring, backup management, log aggregation, security management, incident management, and problem management for these EC2 instances. Amazon AppFlow... That's, that's a whole lot of management. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazon AppFlow now sends flow status notifications to Amazon CloudWatch events. So AppFlow is a fully managed integration service that enables customers to securely transfer data between AWS services and SaaS applications with just a few clicks. It now integrates with CloudWatch events so you can publish events related to the status of a flow, including start of a flow run, completion of a flow run with status, success or failure, and error messages. AppFlow initiated deactivate activation of a scheduled or event-triggered flow and the number of third-party events that triggered flow runs in a five-minute interval. Uh, really interesting update for use of AI services with AWS organizations. You can now use AWS organizations to manage the use of your content by some of the AWS machine learning services. So certain services like the Amazon CodeGuru Profiler, Amazon Comprehend, Lex, Poly, 
recognition, text track, transcribe, and translate may use content to improve the service. Now, previously you could opt out of this by contacting AWS support. This new feature now allows you to configure an organizational policy to opt out without the need to contact AWS support. So to have your configuration applied to all accounts across your organization in one go, very, very straightforward and simple. AWS Config has launched 28 additional managed rules across multiple regions. So these are predefined rules that can help you evaluate whether your AWS resource configurations comply with common best practices. So things like uh, CloudWatch, CloudTrail, DynamoDB, Relational Database Service, Firewall, etc. A whole bunch of stuff has been improved, which is great. AWS Transit Gateway now supports more granular CloudWatch metrics for improved networking monitoring, which is really, really handy. It now collects and publishes the following metrics for all of its attachments. Bytes in, bytes out, packets in, packets out, packet drop count black hole, and packet drop count no root. And these are supported by all the Transit Gateway attachment types, including VPC, site-to-site VPN, Direct Connect, and peering attachments. And Nikki, were you laughing at my naming of all those types? The naming is just, it's amazing. I love the naming. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of the packets drop count black hole. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Lastly, AWS CodeBuild now supports resource utilization metrics in CloudWatch. Uh, So... Code build now. And this reports- is a double. I just realized we've talked about this one in the development section. So yeah, we did. This is a double. That was my mistake. So consider this a reminder <laughs> that <laughs> if you didn't listen to the I developer section, <laughs> uh, we've got it listed twice, but that's okay because it's really important. Moving on to the topic of media services, there is now live streaming on AWS with the Media Store supports AWS Elemental Link. Uh, so this combines AWS Elemental Media Live and AWS Elemental Media Store with Amazon CloudFront. Basically, it gives you the fundamentals you need to get started with live streaming and deliver your content around the world. And the latest version of the solution now supports AWS Elemental Link, which offers a configuration-free, cost-efficient way to securely and reliably transfer video to AWS Elemental Media Live. It's a whole brave world, that media world. (laughs) Most definitely. Moving on to the topic of migration and transfer, AWS has announced the Migration Acceleration Program for Storage. Uh, Map for Storage provides services, best practices, and tools to help customers save costs, accelerate their migrations, and modernize their storage workloads on AWS. That's a pretty cool program. You should definitely check it out. Uh, It's an extension of the proven map methodology and assesses customer readiness along the dimensions of the cloud adoption framework. So you can build a full migration plan. Yeah, it's really important because getting your hands around a big migration could be tricky. So why not learn from all the others who have already done it? Definitely. That sounds awesome. I would love that assistance if I was a big enterprise trying to move to the cloud. Exactly. Now, I was I was uh, talking about you crazy kids in containers before. So, Nikki, there's another really interesting container-related update. Okay. So we are announcing AWS App to Container, containerize and migrate applications to the cloud. So this is A2C, as they're calling it, a new command line tool for modernizing .NET and Java applications into containerized applications. A2C will analyze and build an inventory of all apps running in virtual machines on-prem or in the cloud, and you simply select the app you want to containerize, and A2C will package the application artifact and runtime dependencies into container images, configure the network ports, and generate the ECS task and Kubernetes pod definitions. That is pretty dang cool. Did you say Kubernetes? (laughs) Uh, Maybe. I meant Kubernetes. 
I think I know you meant Kubernetes, but but if we were cool, we'd say K eight, wouldn't we? Or is that no? I don't know. Anyway, that is a very cool. It's someone a very cool someone update. once said it's pronounced Kubernetes, like it's actually like a, <laughs> a I don't know what word. It's a Greek word. Ah, I sense ourselves going down a rat hole here. Um, <laughs> yes. So let's move, let's move on. Uh, there is now a new capability called the Porting Assistant for .NET, and this is an analysis tool that scans .NET framework applications and generates a .NET Core compatibility assessment, which helps you port your applications to Linux faster. And so this is a really good way to identify how easy or hard. Uh, it would be to migrate your workloads, and it reduces the manual effort involved in modernizing your applications to Linux. My guess is that it also gives you a lot more than the current .NET portability analyzer that you can find in Visual Studio. So you should definitely check it out if you're looking to move your apps from .NET Framework to .NET Core. Sounds good. DataSync can now automatically configure your CloudWatch logs configuration. So you now have the option of automatically generating the CloudWatch log group and resource policy required to publish logs for your data transfer, simplifying task creation and monitoring setup when using DataSync. And another quick update for DataSync, DataSync agents are now supported on Linux KVM and Microsoft Hyper-V hypervisors. So you can now deploy the DataSync agents on Linux kernel-based virtual machines and Microsoft Hyper-V hypervisors, which enables you to run DataSync agents on Linux hosts and in Windows-based environments, in addition to the existing VMware and EC2 options. And there's another awesome update for the topic of mobile. Uh, my team, Amplify CLI go has team. now <laughs> yeah, go team. Amplify CLI has now added support for drumroll please, Lambda layers, so you can easily share mm. code and assets across Lambda functions. This one is something that I'm very very excited about. If you've ever built Lambda functions using the Amplify CLI, uh, you know the importance of Lambda layers uh, when developing anything with serverless. And I'm really excited about like what this is going to enable us to do futuristically. Very nice. Moving on to the topic of network and content delivery. And for our customers in Israel, I'm happy to say, Bruchim Abayim. The AWS Direct Connect is now live at Med1 in Haifa, Israel. I can see the beach from there. Uh, so this is the first Direct Connect location in Israel and customers in Israel can now connect can locally establish, I should say, a dedicated network connection from their on-premises infrastructure to AWS. So that's very exciting for them. Amazon Virtual Private Cloud customers can now use their own prefix list to simplify the configuration of security groups and route tables. Now, this allows you to create your own prefix list that can be easily audited and applied across all your accounts and have a consistent security posture and routing behavior. So a prefix list is a collection of CIDR blocks that can be used to configure VPC security groups and route tables and shared with other AWS accounts using Resource Access Manager. This is kind of a big deal for network folks. <laughs> I'm sure. AWS Launch Wizard for SAP supports integration with Route 53 for domain naming and routing outbound internet connections via your own proxy servers. Uh, so the Launch Wizard for SAP is now integrated with Route 53 as the domain name system. So you can choose a Route 53 hosted zone as the domain name system for SAP systems deployed with AWS Launch Wizard. The Launch Wizard will create DNS records in the chosen Route 53 hosted zone, eliminating the need to maintain 
etc. host files entries for each of the EC2 instances being deployed as part of the deployment. Since it's not possible for two instances in the same domain to have the same host name, LaunchWizard will validate the user input to ensure that the record does not exist already, thereby avoiding any deployment failures. It's a quick little update, but a really handy one. It is a good one. Let's move on to the topic of robotics. An AWS RoboMaker releases Rosbag Upload Cloud Extension for the robot operating extensions operating system, I should say, or ROS. Now, AWS RoboMaker is a service that makes it easy to simulate and deploy robotics applications at cloud scale. And it now has the S3 Rosbag Cloud Extension for ROS Kinetic and Melodic distributions. Now, in the ROS ecosystem, ROSBag is a common format to capture output messages such as sensor data and robot logs and store the serialized message in a bag file. The S3 ROSBag cloud extension is available as an open source ROS package that customers can install as a ROS node on their robots. So using this cloud extension, customers can create, configure the duration and upload ROSBags to Amazon S3 based on an event trigger. So this makes it easy for the customers to get the sensor data or logs off the robot and into the AWS cloud. And you can also use this extension to upload other files from your robots to S3. So as we all know, once you get your data to S3, the sky is the limit and the challenge was getting it off those devices. So this makes it a lot easier. Moving on to the topic of security, identity, and compliance. AWS Secrets Manager now enables you to attach resource-based policies to secrets from the Secrets Manager console and use Zilkova to validate these policies. So you can attach these resource-based policies to your secrets and it will use Zilkova, which is an automated reasoning engine to validate and block automatically policies that may grant broad access to your secrets across AWS accounts. This integration further obviously raises the security bar for your organization and makes it easier to follow the best practice of granting least privilege access when it comes to security. And just a side note on that, we did have a, a special series about from, from the Automated Reasoning Group. So if you're a podcast listener, you can go back uh, and have a listen to those um, and what Zelkova does and Automated Reasoning does. Uh, the, the TLDR is heavy-duty maths to prove that you really are safe in a highly scalable way. It's a really cool name also, just as a side note, Zilkova. It sounds like something from like the, the, one of those cartoon universes. It totally <laughs> does. It totally does. I like it. Uh, Secrets Manager has another update here. You can now identify, arrange, and manage secrets easily using their new enhanced search. As you can search secrets based on attributes such as secret name, description, tag keys, and tag values. And you can easily identify, arrange, and manage your secrets into logical groups that are used by specific applications, departments, or employees. You can use this functionality through the console or the List Secrets API to quickly find a subset of all your secrets managed in Secrets Manager. The AWS Firewall Manager launches managed rules to audit VPC security groups. So it now has new pre-configured rules to help customers audit their pre-VPC security groups and get detailed reports of non-compliance from a central administrator account. So this makes it much easier for you to centrally audit your security groups out of the box across all your accounts and resources and it gets rid of that heavy lifting of configuring custom audit checks manually. Lots of interesting detail on this, too much to go into. Another update is AWS WAF now supports inspecting the exported for true client IP or other custom headers that include the originating IP address of a client connecting to your application through a HTTP proxy or third-party CDN. And I'm very happy to see the X forwarded form mentioned because it happens to be one of my pre-screening questions to people who apply for our team. <laughs> <laughs> so understanding how HTTP works is kind of important. So this allows you to create rules around that, which is very, very nice. 
And the AWS WAF Security Automations now supports WAF V2 API. So this is a, uh, a reference implementation that makes it easier for customers to configure your WAF rules to protect web applications running in AWS. Moving on to the topic of storage, Amazon FSx for Luster now supports AWS Graviton 2-based instances. So FSx for Luster file systems are accessed from Linux-based instances using the open source Luster client. So starting today, the Amazon Linux 2 AMIs will now include Luster clients for Amazon EC2 instances powered by the AWS Graviton 2 processors. The Luster client is also now available for AWS Graviton 2-based EC2 instances running the Ubuntu operating system. And the Graviton 2-based EC2 instances deliver up to 40% better price performance over their comparable current generation x86-based instances. So that's a pretty cool update if you use FSX for Luster. AWS storage... Price lower, performance higher. That's a good thing. Totally. AWS Storage Gateway increases local cache storage by 4x for File Gateway. So Storage Gateway now supports a local cache of up to 64 terabytes for File Gateway, which improves performance for your on-prem apps by providing you with low latency access to larger working data sets. So you can now easily scale your Gateway's local cache to manage more of your app data closer to your on-prem applications and users. I love that we're using the phrase local cache and 64 terabytes in the same sentence these days. What a world to live in. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That's a lot. That's that really is a, a lot. lot. Uh, speaking of storage gateway, AWS Storage Gateway simplifies the cache management for file gateway. Uh, so it allows you to create multiple file shares for a single Amazon S3 bucket and synchronize the gateway's local cache, which is now much bigger, with an Amazon S3 bucket based upon frequency of directory access. And these enhancements simplify the management of your gateway by providing flexibility when configuring the new file shares and streamlining the cache refresh process. So with this launch, you can now limit the number of S3 buckets necessary to manage the file shares you create on your file gateway. You can define multiple S3 prefixes for an S3 bucket and map a single S3 prefix to a single gateway file share. You can also define gateway file share names to be independent of the S3 bucket name to fit your on-premises file share naming convention, which is all kind of good. And to round out the performance discussions, Amazon Elastic File System EFS has increased file system minimum throughput. The default throughput bursting throughput mode now has a minimum throughput of one megabit per second. Uh, all EFS bursting mode file systems, regardless of size, can drive 100 megabits per second of throughput. And the file systems with more than one terabyte of standard class storage can drive 100 megabits per terabyte when burst credits are available. So this change increases the minimum throughput from 50k bits per second per gig of standard class storage to a fixed minimum of one megabits per second or file systems with less than 20 gig of standard class storage when burst credits are exhausted. Now, we recommend you use AWS CloudWatch to monitor your burst credit balance just to make sure you're tuned in the right way. But the new minimum throughput is applied at no cost and no action required, which is my two favorite actions. (laughs) And lastly, to round out the over 100 announcements, uh, Amazon EBS Direct APIs now enable you to create snapshots directly from any block storage. So you can create snapshots of your block storage data, including your on-prem data, using EBS Direct APIs. With a set of API calls, you can use your snapshots to store data in AWS regardless of where it resides, which enables you to achieve business continuity at a lower cost. 
that's an awesome last announcement to end on. It is a very cool. I mean, that's a that's a big announcement for the, for the lucky last of the day. But it's been a it's been a big list, and thank you everyone who's who's listened through <laughs> as we've gone through. Hope that there's got to be something for everyone in that one. That's for sure. Definitely. Hey, Nikki, how do people catch up with you? All right. So if you please actually give us feedback on the new audio when you hear it. Yes. Uh, you can yes. reach me on Twitter. My Twitter name is knee as in your knee and a key 23 K N E K E Y 23. I answer all of my Twitter messages. So feel free to shout out and let us know how we're doing with the audio. If there's any improvement. Exactly. And we do love to get your feedback on all aspects of the show. Adibus podcast at amazon.com is the other place you can do that. And until next time, Keep on building.